Hey, if you would grab your outlines, we're going to dive in today, uh, second uh, week of, of this series called Core Values, and uh, I'm so excited that you're here. Again, if you're brand new, uh, you came at a great time, and if you're trying to figure out more about the Bible, or you're not sure about Jesus, you're not sure about this whole Christianity thing, this is a great series for you. And so what we're doing is, is we're, we're, we're kind of talking through Gateway's values and, and our mission and our vision, and, and you know, some of you are asking questions about the five purposes. We've got five purposes, if you've seen on the website and things like that. These are things that we always do. These are just, these values don't replace them. They're actually kind of enhance what we're doing and kind of bring more clarity to some of those things just in case there was confusion. Last week, we talked about this idea of biblical authority. We talked about the fact that, you know, we, we believe that this book is from God, that, we, that it was written by lots and lots of people over lots of period of time and, and in different countries, different languages. But the reality is this doesn't happen unless God orchestrates it. It just doesn't. It doesn't happen that way. And, and here's the deal. Everything hangs on these, uh, these values and everything that we're going to talk about, anything that we've ever talked about, hangs on this value. It's crucial. It's our foundation. How many of you have ever built a, a house or you are in the process of building a house? Let me see your hands. All right, some of you have done that. It is no fun. It is a grueling process, and you're trying to figure out what does it look like, and you drive by and try to figure out if there's been progress or no progress. Are the builders here? Are they actually working? It's awesome when you walk out and they're just sitting in your yard. It's like, oh, awesome. I'm paying you for that. Great. But, but the, the reality is it's, it's super stressful, and you'll spend thousands of dollars. You're going to debt hundreds of thousands of dollars. You'll, you'll move your family in and build your life, and some things in that house are very, very valuable, okay? And some things are like really, really, really valuable, really important. And, and here's the reality. You know what? You can have a great roof, you have great walls, you can have a nice floor, but if your foundation is jacked, is cracked, is broken, is misaligned, was poured wrong, it doesn't matter what it all looks like. It doesn't matter if you have the best paint or the nicest, you know, furniture or the, the best appliances or the best, you know, covers for this or, or, or stainless steel, whatever that look, whatever that is, it doesn't matter because at some point, if the foundation's not been poured correctly, it's a matter of time. And here's the reality. You can't get out of it. It's hard for you to sell this. I mean, you're not going to, you're just not going to get anywhere and you're, you become stuck. And here's what's interesting. This value that we talked about last week, biblical authority, if we can't, if we can't embrace this and live out this and, and trust that it is our highest value, God's given this, this to us, then we might as well punt the ball on the rest of these. They really don't matter. They, these are foundational. These are non-negotiable. Die on the hill. Live for these things. And here's the thing. I want you to know them, not just like answers for a test. I mean, you know, I've got a 13-year-old who studies and, and we got note cards. And th- I want you to know those things, but more than that, I want you to embody them. I want you to live them out. I want you to, to, to apply them and, and let them kind of drive your life, your relationships, your marriage, your family. I want, you, I want it to, to, to be the things that matter to you. And I, and I put these in your notes and I've given you the first one, biblical authority. Okay. Second one is this, relational intimacy. Next week, authentic community, week after family legacy, week after gifted service, week after personal evangelism. I know it went fast, all right? Biblical authority, relational intimacy, authentic community, family legacy, gifted service, and personal evangelism. That's where we're going to go. And today we're going to talk about the second value of relational intimacy, okay? How many of you remember your first crush? You remember who it was? Remember her name? Her name was Lisa Green. 
she had a tarantula. I thought it was awesome. I don't know why. I thought it was great. It was like, this girl is awesome. I hate spiders. I don't know why. I thought that was cool. But I, first grade, all right? But, but the reality is when we get this crush, we do things. We think things. We, we put ourselves out there. We, we do whatever we can to get their attention. We, we, will, we will act crazy and foolish. We will lose our minds when we, when we fall in love or we love somebody. And I found these letters, all right? Uh, that were written from, from, from one kid to another kid expressing their love uh, for the other. And these are pretty funny. Uh, I hope that you never wrote these. But anyway, here, here are some of these letters. Here's the first one. All right, check this one out. It's hard to read. It says, are you made of copper or tellurium because you are cute? All right, that's uh, like the uh, sign, the, 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 what's, what's it called? The uh, periodic table. Thank you. Gosh, you guys are so smart. It's awesome. Uh, science nerd love, all right? I, I don't think that probably worked, but that's the reality. You are cute. Anyway, all right. Uh, number two, happy, happy Valentine's Day, sweaty, all right? You might want to get spell checked for that, you know? <laughs> I don't know that that accomplished its purposes. No, you really are sweaty. Anyway, number three, I love you very much. I love you as much as, I like you as much as cake. I love you more than anything in the world. All right, guys, if you want to drive it home, all right, that's the deal. You know, put, put a little picture there. You know, I love you, me and you. That's awesome. All right. Uh, number, number four, I love you with all my butt. All right. I would say hard, but my butt's bigger. All right. How about that? Love the man of metaphor. You know what I'm saying? I love you like this. All right. Anyway, uh, number, number five, uh, this is from Amelia. Rose are red, violets are blue, bacon is awesome, and so are you. Right? That's the way to get to a man's heart right there. Right? Uh, number six, this one's got a little up and down drama to it. All right? So it says, I'm sorry, Ben. I didn't mean to hurt you. I feel like crap. I love you and was trying to hit Chris. I hate Chris. I have my, cho- I have my choice I made. I rally hope you accept my apology when I throw the scissors. Okay? I was aiming for Chris, and I hope you start to feel better soon. And I love the little scale of love and hate. Chris, hate. You love, right? Nobody can spell anymore. Isn't it true? It's hilarious, all right? Uh, you might want to stay away from her, Ben. Re- restraining order for you. Last one. Dear, La- Dear Ashley, would you please be my girlfriend? I, I love you a lot. Yes, no, or maybe. Please put a yes, no, or maybe. Then Ashley responds, puts a no, and then she writes a little note. So she, she breaks his heart. She she steps on it, and then she gives him a little bit of hope. And here's what it says. I'm sorry, I already had a boyfriend, Kyle, but when we break up, you're my next choice. P.S. That might be in a month or two, right? I'm not sure about Ashley. She's, she's fishing with a few poles here. I'm not sure that's good, right? But here's the deal. You know this, and you know, we could talk about stories about the things that we've done because, because we love somebody or we stepped out. We went, we went, we just kind of put ourselves out there and sometimes to utter disgrace and shame and sometimes it worked out. Uh, but the reality is it's a crazy kind of love. And that's what this, this, this value that we're talking about, relational intimacy, is really, is really foundational about. It's crazy love. Here's the deal. John 3, 16 and 17. You've heard this. Here's what it says. For God so loved you. You. We just sang that song about his love. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Do you get that? I mean, God loves you, that he sent his only son, that, that no matter who you are or what you've done, all right, that we wouldn't have to perish, but that we could experience eternal life. And then it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That's not why he sent Jesus. 
He didn't send in, in, into the world and go, hey, listen, you were wrong and you were wrong and, and you're hellbound and you're hellbound, Christ me on a stick and, and blah, blah. No, no, no. Not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus came to rescue us, to demonstrate the love of the Father. That's the reality. Please write this in your notes. I am loved by God. You are. Well, what? I'm not a Christian. You are. You are loved by God. God loves you. Well, I, but you don't understand, Scott. I, I know I don't. You are loved by God. God demonstrates his own love. But sin in Jesus. I am loved by God. And here's the deal. When we think about that, and we think about what God thinks about when he thinks about us, a lot of us think that he's either mad, sad, he hates us, He's bitter about us, and that's just not the case at all. For most of us, here's the reality. We can't even imagine how deeply or how profoundly or radically or completely his love is for us. We are loved by God. And here's the deal. God knows everything in our lives. He knows all your sin, my sin. He knows all the stuff that, that no one else knows that only you know. He knows all those things, and he, and he still comes toward us. He knows the darkness, the darkest parts of your heart and my heart. Yet this is true, and this is in your notes. Write this down. His love for us is greater than our sin. You know what? Some of you go, man, I've sinned a lot. Yeah, his love is still greater, infinitely more than your sin and my sin. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 6 through 8, it says, you you see, just at the right time, okay, here's what's interesting. When we were still powerless, why were we powerless? Because we were ungodly, because we were sinful, it says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, when we had nothing to offer him, we weren't trying to worship him, pursue him, go toward him, crack open the Bible. No, no, no. While we were still sinners, Christ said, I'm coming. I'm coming for you. I'm going to show you how much my Father loves you. I'm going to lay down my life. Though I'm sinless and perfect, I'm going to trade you. I'm going to trade my righteousness for your sin. He became sin so that we might become the righteousness of of God. And here's the reality. The Bible tells us that our sin separates us from God, that that the wage of sin is death. The the Bible tells us that sin destroys everything. It kills everything. Sin kills marriages and families and, 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 and friendships. It kills all these different things. But it says that God died for the ungodly. And then it says this in verse 8. But he demonstrates his love for us. You, me, we, all of us, every person that you know, and sending Jesus to die on a cross for us. Colossians 2.13, I love this verse. Here it is. It says this, you were dead, circle that. You were dead. Not just bad or ungodly or wrong. It says sin makes us dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive in Christ. For he forgave, circle this, all of our sin, all of your sin, not part of it, not, not the sin up until this point, all of it when we give our lives to him. No matter what your past, no matter what your mistakes, no matter what you've done, no matter who you've done it to, no matter how many times you've done it, God loves you and longs for you to, to know that his love for you is greater than your sin. That's the reality. Which means this, this is in your notes, and, and every word counts in this next, this next, uh, this next uh, point. Jesus' sacrificial death conquering resurrection is the only way to be brought into a permanent right relationship with God. A lot of words. All of them matter. 
All of them are really intentional. Jesus stepped out of the comforts of heaven and said, I'll go. Instead of us trying to pursue him, climb some ladder, Jesus descended, put on flesh, walked among us, lived a perfect life, died in our place for our sins. And here's the deal. He did this before you took your first breath, took your first step, said your first word, made your first bad decision, and and committed your first sin. Romans 6.23, for the wage of sin is death. You have to understand that. Here's the deal. You can understand how much God loves you, but until you understand the penalty of your sin and the wrath of God that was placed on Jesus so that you wouldn't have to experience it, then you'll never really fully understand his love and his grace for you. You'll never get there. Your mind will never, will never fully comprehend it. Sin had to be paid for. And Jesus said, I will pay for it for you, for me. Value number two, relational intimacy, is what drives who we are. It's, it, it, it's a value. You cut us and we believe this. We want people to know God, walk with God. We believe that no matter what a person has done, right or wrong, in their life, or how many times, or what someone said about you, the only way possible back to God to be reconnected back to him is through Jesus. He is our only way, by grace through faith. We believe that that's the only way. I'm not trying to be a good person. I don't want you to try to be a good person. I'm not trying to work off our sin. Here's the reality in your notes. It's not through trying effort or religion, okay? It's only by grace through faith in Jesus. That's it. Where'd you get that? The Bible, our ultimate authority. That's what it says, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, you and me, You know, we're not good enough. You know what? Some of you go, you're pretty good. You're pretty talented. You got some whatever. You're not good enough to save yourself. It says this, it is the gift of God. Underline that. Not by works so that no one can boast. No one in and of themselves is ever going to work out their stuff with God. No one ever is going to get to heaven. You're going, hey, how'd you get here? And you're like, oh man, you wouldn't believe it. I worked really, really hard. And God said, you're in. Come on in. No, no, no. Nobody is going to get there because of works. Nobody. Nobody. It's grace. It's a free gift. Grace is a gift. You you don't earn a gift. You earn a wage. You earn a salary. You earn a grade. But grace is a gift. We are saved by grace alone. Jesus does it for us on a cross, and and then God gives it to us. How do we receive it? By faith. He can't force it on you. He would love to, but that's, the, that's not the reality in what love is. Love is, to, I'm going to give you a choice. Choose me, not choose me. Walk with me, choose not to walk with me. I'm giving you this, I'm offering this, this invitation to you. I want you to choose, but the reality at the end of the day is you have to choose that by faith. Faith, what does that mean? Well, here's the definition of faith. I believe that Jesus is who he said he is, and I trust that he will do all that he's promised to do. That's what faith is. I don't just believe it in my head, but I believe it in my heart, and I'm going to put all my weight on him, not just for the sin parts and and the future parts, but every day, all right? Amy with her adoption, you know, you with whatever's going on in your life, whatever's happening, whatever's got your, you know, I'm going to put all my weight on Jesus, trusting that he is more than enough for me, that he's going to provide for me. I love what 1 Peter 1 through 3 through 5 says. And here, before we say that, here's the deal. I want you to understand this. Jesus said, I want, you to, I want you to understand that my Father's love. I want you to, to, to know that I am Lord, leader of your life, Savior, forgiver of all your sins. 
And, 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 I, and I want you to repent, which just means I wanna, I'm going to rethink or unthink whatever I've done in my life, and I want to choose to walk toward Jesus. And because of that, I want to I go public with my faith and be baptized. That's what it means. And here's, what, here's the, the reality for most of us. We think, you know, I just need a second chance. Scriptures, you don't need a second chance. You need a brand new life. It says, sin said you were dead. And I want to I bring a brand new life into you. This is what, this is what it means to be reborn. I want to be born again. I want to start completely over. Here's what 1 Peter 1 through 5 says. What a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him. The father of our master Jesus because Jesus raised was raised from the dead. When we've done, here's what we, here's what we have. We've been given a brand new life, underline that, and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us in the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all. Life both healed and whole. That may be the only reason God brought you here today. For you to understand and know that God radically loves you. He came to reconnect us back to God. Where there's unity and oneness and intimacy. Here's the cool thing in your notes. Jesus didn't just come to rescue and forgive us, but he came to do life with us. That's a big statement. See, he didn't just come to forgive us of our sins and, and one day when we die, you know, that we'll get to see him and live forever in heaven. Now, here's the deal. If that was the only offer, you should take it. But it's more than that. It's way more than that. He came so that we could know him. He came so that we could do life with him. God is bigger than we could ever imagine. He's more powerful than our ability to even comprehend. He's, om- he's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere at all times and can be, be right there beside you and me, regardless of where we are, whether we're in Peru, Jamaica, any place in the world, God is omnipresent. And here's the deal. He wants to be known by you and by me. And here's the deal. There's a difference between knowing about and knowing information on or knowing information of and truly knowing, right? You know that. We live in an age where you can know almost everything about somebody that you've never met before. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you really know them. It just means you know a lot of information about them. You can Google them. You can, you can be Facebook friends with them. You can, you can follow them on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, knowing about and, 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 and really knowing is really different, right? That's just the reality. I'm on Twitter. I follow a lot of people that I know, friends, family, my favorite sports teams, some celebrities, some stars, some athletes, and things like that. And I follow this guy. I don't know if you've heard, heard of him. His name's Justin Bieber. It's kind of weird. He's, you know, he's okay. He's doing all right for himself, I guess. But it's interesting. 67.2 million people follow Justin Bieber. And they know all kinds of crazy facts. How many of you follow Justin Bieber? Instagram, come on. Put it up there. Don't, don't you put me out there like that. Do not do that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Some of you are lying and lying's not good according to what scripture says. Anyway, you can know all this stuff about Justin Drew Bieber. You can. You can know all these facts about him. You can. You can know that he was born March 1st, 1994 in Canada. You can know that he was discovered by Scooter Braun uh, back in 2007. You can know his mother's name is Patricia Millay. Net worth $200 million. You can know all of his songs. Baby, baby, baby. Don't make me climb, all right? Don't make me climb that ladder. Anyway, you can know all of his songs, as long as you love me, never say never. His latest, what do you mean? I mean, here's the deal. That song, in under five minutes, became the number one song on on iTunes. It became the number one song in 89 countries. I mean, what country's holding out? Is it North Korea again? I mean, what's the deal? 89 countries, number one. 
Scott, you seem to know a little bit about Justin Bieber. I do. I had this weird dream not, not that long ago. I had this weird dream about Justin Bieber. It's weird. I wasn't singing with him. We were in Panama City, and I was, I was, we were in the ocean, and I was baptizing him. It was the weirdest thing. And insert your own drug test joke right here. But, but that's the real. I don't know why, but, but the reality is, here, here's, the th- here's the thing. You can have every album. You can have everything on your iTunes. You can know every song. You can follow them on, on social media. You can, you can call yourself a believer. You can watch them on the VMAs. You can have ridiculous amounts of information and facts about Justin Bieber and not know Justin Bieber. That's the reality. That's the reality. And you plug in your own favorite singer or band or comedian or celebrity or athlete. It doesn't matter who it is. Somebody on your, on your fantasy football team, one of the Royals, whatever that is. Whatever it is, you plug that in. You can know all this crazy amount of information and facts about them and truly not know them. Here's the reality. You can do it in your own life. You can go to school. People sit beside them in class. You can work near people. You can have people in your home and tragically not really know them. And here's the saddest truth. Saddest truth. You can come to church. You can own seven or eight of these. You can listen to Caleb. You can, you can know some Bible answers. You can even know some scripture and not really know God. Tragic. It's not God's heart. It's not his heart for you. It's not his heart for me. Value number two is wrapped up in these two powerful words, relational intimacy. And I gave you a definition there so you could see it. Relational, concerning the way in which two or more people are connected. Here's the deal. We're called to be connected to God. Secondly, intimacy. It's close, familiar, committed relationship where there's deep devotion and abounding love. It's not meant to be this kind of arm's length, arm's distant, impersonal, you know, passive on the surface level. It's a deep connection. It's rooted in a trusting relationship with God. It's not just about information. It is truly about connection that leads to transformation. That's the reality, relational intimacy. I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. I, I've known Sarah for 25 years. been married to her for 21 years. And I've had a, it's been my privilege to know her and get to know her. And I'm still learning her. But I know so many things about her because I know her. Not because I read something online or because I hear somebody tell me about I I know her. I know what she likes. I know what she doesn't like. I, I, I know what breaks her heart. I know what fills her up. I know what makes her laugh. I, I, I have no more joy than to laugh with her more than anybody else. I know these weird things about her. I know that, that, that every couple of months she's going to scream out in the middle of the night and freak me out. And she did that last night, all right? Don't know why. But that, I just, I know that it's coming. I just, I know her. I know her. And here's what's interesting. There are times where we can look at each other either across the hallway or at the, at the, at the, the kitchen table. And we don't even say a word, but we said everything. Communication without even speaking a word. Some of you know that in your marriage. You just shoot a look or you, you, have a, you raise your, whatever that is, they, the, the message has been delivered. And here's the reality. God wants that kind of relationship with us. He does. Where we know him and, and he knows us, where we know his heart, where we know his plans for us, where, where he, he wants to do so much more than simply forgive you of your sins. He wants to do so much more than that. He wants to transform every single area of your life. And when you walk with him, you'll begin to know his, his voice and know his heart and, and to know his plans for you. And sometimes, you know what? It's the Holy Spirit talking to you. And sometimes it's the scriptures that you memorize. And sometimes it's because you've been with him, you already know what he wants for you. That's just the reality. So how do we do that? Because God wants to be known by us. And, and the question is, is, how do we do that? Well, in your notes, I'm going to give you three things to cultivate intimacy. The first thing is this. 
If you're going to do this, if you're going to walk with God and grow in your walk with him and actually know him, it's going to take time, number one. It's going to take time. And here's the deal. This kind of is transferable in, 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 in all kinds of relationships, in any friendship, dating friend, relationship, marriage, parent-child relationship. It's going to take an investment of time. It's going to take some uninterrupted time for you to get to know and be known, for you to hear and be heard, for you to love and be loved. And the same is true with God. If you want to get to know God, it's going to take more than an hour a week sitting right here in a row. It's you connecting with him on your own, maybe for you giving him your first minutes, or maybe for you it's throughout the day, or maybe for you it's at night. I mean, here's the reality. Try to run a marriage on an hour a week of of, of communication. Try. Some of you do that. It's not that good. Try to go to the gym once a week, work out for an hour, work out hard, man. Do your thing, look in the mirror, flex it out, and then leave and don't go back. See you next week. Let me know how that works for you. I've done that a few times. It's not very helpful. Try to invest in your teenager's life, son or daughter, for seven minutes a day. That's basically an hour a week. And see how far that gets you. That won't get you very far. And here's the deal. We've created these things for you. This journal. The very first couple pages are how to do this, how to connect with God. We give you these, we give you these bookmarks five days out of the week that lead up to where we're, what we're going to talk about on the weekend. And actually, it's, it then kind of shares the discussion for what we're going to talk about in life group, a good part of it. We set up a, a, a daily opportunity for you to connect with God. It's just a matter of whether or not you want it. Do you understand how much you need it? Do you understand that Jesus wants so much more than just to forgive you, that he really wants to walk with you and walk beside you and to connect with you? That's the reality. Take advantage of this. Number two, time. Number two is transparency. It's transparency. If you want to build a strong marriage or, or a strong relationship with your, with your kids or, or with your friendships, it, it's going to take you moving out of the three foot, meaning the three foot in the pool. We've got to move out of the shallow. We've got to move away from the surface. It's going to take us moving to a place where we take off our mask and we tear down the wall. We get vulnerable. We take a risk and we put ourselves out there. It's about being fearlessly honest about the things in your life. I mean, this whole idea of life groups, some of you are scared to death. And the, the, the reason that you're not going to sign up for life group is that your fear of, of doing this, being transparent. It's the thing that cripples your relationship with your spouse. It's the thing that cripples your relationship with your friends. It is the thing that cripples your relationship with God. God longs for us to be transparent with him. And here's the deal. We've given you these journals so that you can begin to dive in and talk through and and walk out and and, and share and write down things that God is doing in your life or things that you need God to, to work on or help you with. And here's the deal. It's the word intimacy. And maybe this is a good way for you to remember this. Into me you see intimacy. Into me you see. Intimacy. That's what we're after. That's what God wants for us. And here's the deal. I need God's wisdom in my life. I do. There are too many things. Life is too big. There's there's too many complicated things. There's too many factors that I, I can't figure out. I can't get my mind around. And I need his help. I need his wisdom. For some of you, your biggest obstacle to this is your transparency. It just is. Because at one point you put yourself out there and somebody hurt you, wounded you, betrayed you. And here's the deal. God is altogether different than your dad, your ex, your spouse, or that friend of yours that is no longer your friend. He is altogether different. He is faithful. He is a father. He loves you like no one could ever love you. And here's the deal. It is okay to say, God, I'm disappointed. 
It is okay to say, hey, God, I'm struggling with lust, or I'm struggling with pride, or I'm struggling with jealousy, I'm struggling with, with, with whatever that is. It's okay for you to say that to him. I'm struggling, God, I'm down, I need you. God, why did this happen? Why is this happening? Where are you in the midst of all of this? I need you to heal my broken heart. It's okay to say, God, I got, I got doubts. I'm not sure how you're going to show up here. I'm not even sure if you're paying attention to this. It's okay for you to say that. I need your comfort and strength and power. I need to be reminded of your promises. Would you show up today in my life in that situation? Help me to trust you, God. You can be transparent with God because here's the deal. Newsflash, he already knows anyway. And you don't have to dress it up. You don't have to Christianize your speech, Christianize your little journal so that way it all looks good and, and somebody open it up, you know, and say, oh, well, they must be really, no, no, no. It's just your life. It's just talking to God. Here's the deal. I prayed some pretty nasty prayers along the way, 26 years. Some ugly, bloody, frustrating, nasty, hope I don't ever have to pray those type of prayers, prayers with God. Some of you, the best thing that you could do today is get in your car and go drive today and go have it out with God. Here's the reality. He's not afraid of your anger. He's not uh, afraid of your darkest pain. He's not disappointed with your doubts or, or, or your questions. You can vent, shout, scream, cry, curse, and God will not turn his back on you. He's not afraid of our messiness. He welcomes that. He's honored when we cry out to him. He's enough. Seek him with all that you are. Be honest with him. Tell him what you need. Tell him what's on your heart and watch what God will do. I I brought these not because I'm bragging about me. These are the last five years of my life right here. Okay? I didn't count them. I didn't reread through all of them. But I got to spend a little time looking through these journals. Okay? And here's what's beautiful about this. I can go back to a a space and time over the last five years and see where where I was and what God was doing. Um, some things that I struggled with, some things that I still struggle with, some things that I needed answers or prayer for or wisdom in, and, I, and I'm able to look back and see how God delivered, how God answered, how God was faithful. I have history with God over the last five years. This is my history with God. Not that it's all there, not that I, I wrote down every single thing I thought about or prayed about or read. That's not the case, but I have history with God. And in this It reminds me of who God is. It reminds me of his faithfulness. It reminds me of his strength. When I didn't know what to do, I didn't know where to go, when when my heart was blown up because of the pain in my life. And here's the deal. It's not about religion. Like, oh, man, look how spiritual he is. No, no, no. If you read these, you would go, not very spiritual. I have history with God. In this, I've watched God work. I've watched him move. I've listened to him. I've heard his voice. I've, 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 I've seen his encouragement. I've watched how God's shown up in different places. But here's the deal. Here's the thing that I want you to capture. I cannot be satisfied with, with what happened five years, the last five years. And go, you know what? I feel like I know God now. I mean, can you imagine if I looked at my wife and going, you know what? I think I know you now. Got it all down. But I looked at my 13-year-old and go, hey, you know what? I'm never going to learn a brand new thing about you ever again. I have now conquered knowledge about who you are. That won't go well, right? I don't want to be satisfied with what I, what I learned or maybe for you, what you grew up in Sunday school learning or what you've learned over the last. I don't want you to be satisfied with, with what happened in the past and your prior knowledge to who God is. God says, no, no, no. This is not about a test. This is about you knowing me, you walking with me, being connected with me. And here's what's interesting. I used to think that journaling was a chick thing. You know what I mean? And some of you guys are going, it is a chick thing. You know what? I thought that. 
And then I, I began talking to more godly guys and tr- trying to find out a little bit more. Hey, tell me what you do, man. Tell me how you're growing. Tell me what God's doing in your life. Tell me how you, how you spend some time. What are, your, what are your spiritual disciplines? And you know what? It's interesting. About 95% of them say it's that. You know why? Because we guys, if we're not careful, we'll live in the three foot. Journaling forces us to go into the eight foot where it's over our head. It slows us down. It reminds us that, you know what, God is bigger, that I don't have it figured out, that I don't have all the answers, that, that I need help, that, 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 that I don't, I'm not in control of my life. That's what this does. Guys, look at me. Maybe this is the, the missing practice for you that opens up the door to extreme intimacy with God. I'll tell you, it is for me. It is for me. I want to encourage you to take a step and grab a journal. And here's the deal. Paul said this too. He's not satisfied with what, he, with, with, with what he knew about God. He was a Pharisee at one time. He was a religious guy. Here's what he said in, in Philippians 3, 7 through 11. It says, I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing G- Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could, underline this, gain Christ. And become one with him. I no longer count all my righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on what? Faith. On trust. Not religion. Not checking a box. On on knowing Jesus. Verse 10, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that, that, that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. It's Paul's, it's what he's after. I want to know Christ. What's the most important thing to Paul? Knowing Christ. What's the most important thing to you? What is it for you? It should be this. Number three, it's time, transparency. Number three, submission. Submission. It's an interesting word. We don't like to do it. But here's the reality. Mutual submission is one of the most powerful relational dynamics in the world. Here's what that means. It means this. I'm going to harness all that I am, my abilities for your best, and vice versa. You're going to do the same thing for me. You're going to bring the best for me, and I'm going to receive. I'm going to bring the best for you, and you're going to receive. That's what this looks like. Mutual submission is powerful. It happens in, a, in, a, in, a, in great relationships between a boss and, and, and an employee, a husband, a wife, a parent, a child, a friend, a friend. The idea of submitting to God scares us, most of us, because we don't really know him. And we're not sure if we can trust him. But the reality is once we begin to understand who he is and what he thinks about us and and how we can trust him for who he is because of his great care and love toward us, it's easy. Submission begins with trust. It's tough to submit to somebody that you don't trust. But we have a perfect heavenly father who loves us as his dearly loved children. We can trust him. I love what Jesus said in John 10, 14 through 16. He said this, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. In the NIV it says I lay down my life for my sheep. Verse 16, I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I will bring them also. Here it is, underline this. They will listen to my voice and they will be one flock with one shepherd. I love the metaphor here. He's talking about their world, where they are, where they live. Jesus is the shepherd and we are his sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep. He knows us and he wants to be known. And I love this statement. They will know my voice. They will know my voice. I, it's interesting. With sports, I, you know, a lot of these are man illustrations. I'm, I apologize, ladies. But the, but the reality is I love sports. But 
basketball is my favorite sport, and, and it's interesting when uh, the cats are playing uh, somewhere away or whatever, the crowd's going crazy. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's pandemonium, and you would think nobody could hear anybody, and the players are playing, and Coach Cowett's talking, yelling at them, and somehow they can hear his voice amongst all the other noise in the room. It's crazy. They know what to do and how to play because they know, they know what the coach's voice sounds like. And in your world, my world, here's how this plays out. We have the roar of culture that's telling us this is what you should do. This is how you should live. This is how you should date. This is how you should act. This is how you should react. This is what you should do with your money. Blah, blah, blah. There's all these voices all the time. It's, 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 a, it's a very loud stadium. And then you've got the lies of the enemy. And sometimes it's a whisper saying this and saying this. And even though there's all these other loud roars, he's whispering right here. And you can hear him loud and clear. And then for some of us, it's our own, it's our own toxic negative thoughts about our life or ourselves. And here's the reality. Do you know his voice? Can you discern his voice amongst the crowd, amongst the roar? Jesus says, I want to be known by you. And my sheep know my voice. Do you know his voice? And here's the deal. As we begin to spend time in this book and we begin to write things in this journal, as we begin to discern what God's will is or what he wants to say to us through his word or through his Holy Spirit, we begin to hear his voice. We begin to know him more. And it's that voice that drives us, that voice that directs us, that voice that that pulls us back because he loves us and cares so much for us. It's relational intimacy, time, transparency, and submission. Let me close this way by saying this. God knows you. You are, there's not a thing about you that God doesn't know. He knows you way better than anybody than you know you. Jesus came to demonstrate his love for you so that you could be forgiven of your sins. You are loved by God. And his grace is greater than your sin. All sin. There's no JV or varsity sin. There are in people's eyes, but not in God's eyes. It's, it's all, it all breaks us. It all brings death to our lives. God knows it all. And he says, no, no, my love for you is greater than, than your sin. And here's the deal. If you've never accepted Jesus, you're living beneath your privilege. God longs to do something in your life. He longs to do something in, in your life today. Not one day when you die, but now. The future starts now, as that passage talked about. If you want to talk more about what it means to become a Christ follower, whether you're a student or an adult, whether you've been coming for a little while or this is your first day, we would love to talk to you about what that means. We're having a a baptism service where people can go public with their faith on October 25th. I'd love to see you be a part of that. I'd love for you to to take this step and go, you know what, God? I love you and I trust you. This is what you're calling me to. I want to do that. For the rest of us, here's the question. Do you know Jesus? Or have you just kind of settled on the fact that you know information about Jesus? Is this God's word for you or is it just a book? Is this the key that opens up the door to your intimacy with God? Because long, God longs for you to know him and be known by you. I want to challenge you to take the 2020 challenge. Here's the deal. If you don't have the money today, pick up a journal. Just say, hey, listen, Scott said I could take one. Take one. We don't need your money that much as much as you need a relationship with God. Grab your bookmark and just sit down today or tomorrow and just see what God does. Here's the deal. God is waiting. He's waiting for you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. And God, I trust, because I'm going to say this in a short way, that your Holy Spirit knows what we need that you know what you want to say to us. And God, I pray that your voice is clear. God, thank you for our church. I love this church so much. 
And God, I know that you love this church way more than me and that you love us and you long to be known by us. And so, God, I pray that you would do something significant. And maybe it starts today, just with a drive in the car or maybe tomorrow morning when we open up your word and we grab a journal and we just start writing. God, would you invade this space? Would you have your way in our time? Would you, would you connect us in a way deeply where we realize that this is so much more than just going to church or, or religion? It is about a relationship with you. God, it's overwhelming to think that you would send Jesus for us so that our sin could be forgiven, but it is even more overwhelming that you care so much about us, that you care about the, the, the things that we go through, the things that are going on, and the details of our life. May we begin to see a different picture of who you are, the one that's in the scriptures. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.